Hey there, and welcome to The Grass Gal with Haley Tucker. Alrighty, everyone. We have a special guest here today. Not only was he my boss for the past two years, but he's just an absolute legend. You're a legend. <laughs> Dr. Chase Straw is here with us today. How are we doing? If I was your boss, <laughs> I don't think I've told you anything to do ever. No. So I think your boss was Weston. But yeah, I did sign he off. He did on your, write my paycheck. I did so. sign off on your timesheet, I guess. So yes. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Close no, enough. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. First professional guest on the podcast. Excited, excited. All right, so give us a little bit of background. What's going on? How'd you get here? So, uh, that's a long story. <laughs> I guess I, I joined, uh, so I got into turf grass when I graduated high school. Um, my assistant basketball coach was the head sports field manager at the University of Kentucky. I don't know if you know any of this. I this don't, actually. I'm intrigued. Um, so, his name was Donnie Mefford. Uh, he's still at the University of Kentucky, but he is in a... Um, a, an athletic director position now, so he doesn't necessarily do the sports fields anymore. Um, but he he kind of introduced me to. I knew I was going to go to Kentucky because I love everything about the University of Kentucky, uh, mainly basketball. Football is a struggle some years. Um, but he he told me about his job, and he said if if you want to come work for me right after high school, uh, come on and go for it. And I hadn't declared a major. Um, the summer I graduated high school, I started working on their equivalent to field staff mm -hmm. like we have here at Texas A&M. Uh, immediately fell in love with it and declared that as my major my freshman year. So ever since, ever since then, I've just been enthralled in the industry, I guess. Um, the four and a half years I was at Kentucky, uh, was able to do internships and I was always sports field, mm -hmm. never did golf. Had no interest in golf. Had Sorry, no golf peeps. Yeah. Had no interest in uh, home lawns. Um, I was always sports field just because I'm a big sports field guy or sports guy in general. Um, so that was always my passion. Um, towards the end of undergraduate, uh, I was working with Darren Daly at the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and he had a group of professors from the University of Tennessee come visit. And... Uh, Several professors that I now know that are essentially my colleagues now were there. Um, and I kind of got introduced to academia through that visit. It was a, I don't know if it was like a departmental retreat that they were doing. I can't remember the exact reason they were there, but I met a person by the name of Tom Samples. And so anybody who is uh, in the academic world or around the Tennessee area knows that name. He was their extension specialist. He just retired a couple years ago. Um, he basically, he's the kind of guy when you talk to him, he makes you feel like you can run through a wall. Uh, he, he just hypes yourself up. Uh, and he, you know, I was giving him my background. I was telling him, you know, my interest. Um, and he introduced me to graduate school just by talking to me that day. And that's when I started really thinking about it more, really started leaning, uh, leaning that direction because I just, I had a serious girlfriend, uh, who's now my wife at the time or girlfriend at the time, <laughs> wife now. Uh, and, you know, I knew she wasn't going to go for the, the weekends every weekend and the, the long hours. I still love doing it, and I would do it to this day if I didn't have a family because I just love being around sports and being 
and working like that. Um, but I knew that wasn't going to work for the family situation, so I started thinking more about academia. Um, I look back on my advisors at the University of Kentucky, who have since passed away, unfortunately, because they were a little bit older. Um, but A.J. Powell, some of the older people listening may have heard of him, but he was just a salt-of-the-earth guy, uh, just helped you whenever you needed anything. Um, and then same with David Williams when he was at the University of Kentucky. Um, so I just, I saw what they did and I was like, that would be really cool, uh, to be a professor and to be able to help students and to do research, which at the time I didn't really know much about the research. It was more the students that interested me. Um, so that's kind of how I got into academia. Uh, my problem was, is that I wasn't the brightest crown in the box. Uh, so I didn't have the greatest, uh, undergraduate GPA. And so it was difficult getting into grad school. And I actually started at Texas Tech. I don't know if you knew that. I um, so I started grad school wow. at Texas Tech. And, you know, I, I got denied from a few schools because I didn't understand how graduate school went. And that's just a different conversation. Um, I thought it was just like undergrad where you apply and you get in. Um, well, you have to have an assistantship. You know, you get the whoever you are under has to have funding for you. And they have to hire you. It's just basically like a job. Um, and so I was having trouble, people were looking at me on paper and saying, oh, he doesn't have the great, the best mm -hmm. grades, pretty good experience, but not the best grades, but he's probably not graduate school material. Um, so I was having a really tough time getting into grad school. Uh, but I just remember in the middle of the night, um, there was a PhD student at Kentucky who was, uh, trying to help me find places to go. And in the middle of the night, I mean, it was like, 1 a.m. or something. My phone dinged and it was an email and it said graduate research assistant position open Texas Tech University, Lubbock, Texas. And I just remember thinking to myself, there is no way in hell <laughs> I'm moving to West Texas. Amen. Because I, <laughs> uh, I had never been to Texas at that point. Uh, Lubbock's know. a bad place to start. Yeah, because I mean, I'm 20, <laughs> right. I'm 22 or whatever. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I did. I went. Um, it was Gerald Henry. Um, and I went there, spent about two months, moved, me and my girlfriend moved. Uh, both of our families were just devastated that we moved that far away, especially to Lubbock. Um, and then we get there and Gerald, he leaves literally two months oh, in. Oh, goodness. So I'm like, this is great. But he, he took me with him to Georgia. So he left, he went to the University of Georgia. And that's kind of how I ended up in Georgia. So I stayed a year in Lubbock at Texas Tech, and then I transferred to Georgia, and then I did my master's and PhD with him at Georgia for about six years, so, and that was awesome, awesome experience, always wanted to get back in the SEC, because um, I'm just a huge sports fan, and I got to be around that, and then uh, after I graduated from, from Georgia, I went to Minnesota for two years, that was a cool experience, because they were a really good research group, uh, learned a lot of, uh, of research up there, and kind of ways to do things and run a program. Um, and then I got the job here during COVID, literally a week before COVID. So the first year was exciting. Uh, that's, a, that's sarcasm. <laughs> it, was, it was not exciting because uh, we had to deal with that. But I think in the last three and a half years here at Texas Tech, we're starting to get there. Te Texas Tech, <gasps> I know, bad. I did that during a presentation one time. Uh, Texas A&M, I think we're starting to get the ball rolling with things. And, I think the, my program's starting to gain some traction, and it's it's been good. So I've enjoyed it here so far. Nice. Wow. 
I loved Long it. story. I loved it. <laughs> I haven't heard the whole thing. I hope thing. there's no more stories, though. I hope it's just Texas A&M. That's kind you of You know, me too. Me, <laughs> at least wait until I graduate, at least. But really good. Very good. So, obviously, being in academia and being in research, what's, like, your favorite part of doing research? Because... I mean, I've worked out here for a few years. I've seen a lot of different sides of it, but I'm very interested to see like how how the projects come about and how they like take form. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think that's probably the the funnest part is coming up with the proposals and the ideas, and we generate that from just talking with the turfgrass managers. Uh, and just kind of gauging the industry, like what what's important, what's not important. And there's a lot of different avenues you can go with research. There's just your basic management trials, which are going to be very beneficial for the, the typical sportsman manager. But then there's these big industry-wide issues, right? Like water, carbon sequestration is this big thing, uh, emissions, heat, when you're talking about synthetic turf, injuries, natural grass synthetic turf. You know, there's all these big industry mm-hmm. things. So it's really just being sure that you're connecting with people in the industry and understanding what the issues are and then developing your proposals around that. And I personally, I do a ton of management trials and I always will, but I personally enjoy the ones that are more interdisciplinary where we can pull in people from like kinesiology or some of these people that can do social science work with, uh, surveys and interviews and things like that because i just think agriculture in general but turf grass especially we don't have a lot of that type of research Mm -hmm. but our industry really is very social you know we're not growing grass for people to eat it um we're growing it for them to use it so i think it's important to understand kind of that social interaction whether it be injuries or whether it be heat or whether it be just their perceptions in general of different turf grasses um, so that's what I like to do. That's what I enjoy the most out of research is just coming up with an idea. But the, the most the most satisfying thing is when you actually do the study and then you write it and then it gets published and then you see a published version because then you can be like, okay, I'm done. Because yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's studies that I've done. I mean, I think, so Gerald and I at Georgia, we went to the British Virgin Islands and did uh, some, like, grass identifications on the islands. This was 10 years ago, and we just submitted that paper. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, he did. I didn't do hardly any of the writing, but he just submitted the paper. So, I mean, it was 10 years in the making, just yeah. kind of sitting on data. And there, for those first, like, five years, he, he was like, I'm going to write that paper. I'm going to write that paper. I'm going to write that paper. But it's never really done until you actually write it. Um, so you always have like this kind of weird feeling in your, in your gut whenever you put a lot of work into collecting the data, because a lot of the stuff you worked on out there hasn't even been published yet. So Mm -hmm. it's just all that hard work and you want to get it published and get it out there. Um, so that's good is to get it published, but it's also good just to go out and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I love going out to different conferences and speaking on the research that we've done and hope, hopefully it's useful to people. Um, and you know, that's always the end goal do something that's useful and not just do it to do it yeah that's cool and I bet that like getting to network and talk with these professionals kind of like bridges the gap between like being in academia and being in sports fields because you yeah. probably miss that aspect Absolutely. but 
It helps. So you're, you're still in it. You're still helping them. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And we we try to, I try to get around. I, I, I can only do so much. I try to volunteer a little bit, you know, like we did the regionals with Nick. I mean, I more so I just show up to take pictures of students, but I guess that's kind of my role now, right? It's not the, Weston, I know he enjoyed that a lot because um, he could get his hands dirty and stuff, but I'm more so there just to show support and build that, bridge that gap, mm-hmm. like you were saying, between our program and athletics. And we do a phenomenal job here. Just We have a great relationship, so... But and other people can't necessarily say that, so that's good. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. And send it. That's where the students come in too. I mean, it's not just the research. I love visiting the students, so it's we can place students in places where we want to go. Yeah, chase. <laughs> but totally. also beneficial to you all, right? A little so, vacation. I mean, you know this. It's a it's a network. It's an industry that. Uh, Everybody knows each other for mm-hmm. the most part. And if you don't know them, they still probably know who you are. So, I mean, it's if, if you know, you go somewhere, you're going to know somebody that I know more than likely. Or you're going to know somebody that knows me and vice versa. So, I think it's just a small industry. And, yeah, the networking and being able to visit and meet with people. And you you're never really are out of it. I'm not doing the day-to-day Turfgrass management ground. Sorry, Kiki. Uh, Turfgrass management ground, but I'm still talking with the people and networking for sure. Yeah, that's exciting. And one could argue that's even more fun than working 90 hours a week in the sports field industry. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe for some people. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, know. everybody has different stresses, right? I mean, I probably stress over things that I shouldn't stress about with my job. Um, I just try to be, that's, the, that's one of the challenges with academia is you can really be called academic freedom you can do whatever you Mm -hmm. want to do really but you have to be productive and you have to be able to measure your impact and you have to be able to you know obviously write grants and publish your papers um but if say today after i did this podcast with you i wanted to go home until i have to teach at three like nobody's going to tell me i can't do that (laughs) so but uh, so i mean you can work as hard as you want um which is nice, but you obviously still have to make an impact and still uh, meet your metrics as far as research and uh, publications and dollars and obviously student teaching and impact. So. I got you. Very interesting. So on that note, moving over to the professor side of things, what do you think is your favorite part about being a professor and having that relational aspect with all the college students? It's uh, it's it's good. I, it's it's probably my favorite part of the job. Um, as our program grows, it, it's becoming more time consuming, which I don't want to say is a bad thing at all, but it's just more time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it's great. I think we have so much, we have such a good variety of students in the program now, um, especially the new ones. And that's with majority of our students that are transfers. You, you got to get to know them. And by the time you get to know them, they're almost already out the door. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, you and Ted and Carson and Megan who came in as somewhat freshmen. I know you all weren't, you transferred, right? Mm-hmm. But you were a freshman essentially mm-hmm. when you switched. Uh, you know, we get to know you all for a few years. But some of these juniors, they come in with no experience. We try to catch them up with everything to, in the industry that they need to know. And then they're gone pretty much. So it's different. Um 
everybody, all the students communicate differently, so you got to get used to that. And, you know, I harp on that a lot during class is just simple emails mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and text, which surprisingly people get better at uh, as I keep continue to harp. There you go. Uh, so I do feel like I'm making an impact on that front. Um, but, no, I love it. It's my favorite part of the job. And I don't want to say I would do it full-time because I, I love the research side of it because that's where I get to network beyond Texas A&M, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but, yeah, no, I look forward to class. I do everything in my power I can to put people in front of you all that are going to hopefully make some sort of impact on you all because uh, I do a lot of guest speaking, guest speakers, as you've already noticed in the first three weeks where mm-hmm. I've only lectured once. Uh, so it, it, that's just kind of my goal with students is to expose you all to anything and everything. And hopefully from here on out, you'll have options and you'll decide, you'll pick an option that will ultimately be uh, something that's going to work in your favor for your the rest of your career. So. Nice. Very nice. Um, so going off of being able to help students, I know that I'm struggling with picking a career and it's all very overwhelming. You have a obviously. lot of options. A lot of options. A lot, lot going on. How do you help? What's your best advice to help people navigate through all of that? Because you have a lot of connections in a lot of different parts of the industry and you have to help students every day figure out what they want to do. So how do you kind of approach that? It's it's hard because you all have to know what you want to do, mm-hmm. right? So my I guess my goal I'm kind of like a therapist. <laughs> Whenever students come, I mean, like for example, I got one coming as soon as we get done with this podcast, uh, who's going to ask me the exact same question. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's coming. You know, I have this option, this option, and this option. And I don't know what to do. I just try to be sure that you all are not thinking about. Usually the first question is, well, or the first comment is, well, this job's paying this and this one's paying this. Mm -hmm. And then you're always leaning towards the one that's paying more. So I'm trying to broaden that vision of just simply looking at your initial pay and say, okay, what are the opportunities to move up in in that whatever role, whatever position? What's your long-term goal? Do you see yourself doing that for 40 hours a week plus? for the rest of your, for five, for the next five years, for the rest of your life, and if you're hesitant on it, then you should probably reconsider, or um, you know, have a plan of how you're going to leverage whatever experience you're going to get in that first job to to move on up. Because in this industry, you can move up whether you go golf or sports. You're seeing a lot of the sports field guys now become like associate athletic directors or assistant athletic directors. And be more of a facilities type role person. Golf courses, you're seeing direct these director of agronomy positions where the superintendents are under them, um, GMs even potentially. Um, so I mean, there's just there's a lot of opportunity, and it doesn't have to just end with your initial job. So I always just try to help the students realize that. And if you don't like working now. 40, 50 hours a week doing whatever, you're not going to like it when you get married and you have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a guarantee. Yeah. And your spouse isn't going to like it either. So it's not going to be good for your for your family. Now, if you do like it and you love it, um, which I think I could, if I was to quit this job right now and I was able to get an NFL head groundskeeping position, I would feel like I would love that. And I think I could manage it with the hours and all that in that position. Um 
I don't know where I was going with that, but but it can but you can you just need to have options. You need to know what like I I would love that. I guess is my point. Like that that would probably be the only other thing that I could see myself waking up every day and being like, yeah, I'm an NFL groundskeeper. I love NFL, mm-hmm. so it's gonna be you know I, I could do that every day in my life. So I just try to help the students realize it's beyond just your initial job, and you need to be thinking big picture. Um, and how you can ultimately build up to what you you want to be, and some of that has to fall back on you all. Like you need to know mm-hmm. what you want to do, not just career wise, but also your life, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, very helpful. Kids, take notes. Take notes. Well, and then every student's different, so you try to realize their personality just from the little bit that I get to know you all. Um, and I try to get to know you all. It's hard. Because there's so many of you all, mm-hmm. but you try to also factor that in as well. Because you know some students, they just you can tell already they don't do well communicating. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as much as I harp on them, it's like if over the course of the two or three years that I know you, if you're not getting any better, you know maybe you shouldn't go into a job where you're going to have to communicate to be yeah. successful. And unfortunately for those people, that's most jobs. Um, that's why I think it's so important to hammer it into your all's head. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's student dependent, but that's, those are the typical conversations that I would have when it comes to that stuff. And same with internships. Internships have been challenging over the last couple of years with more students because we get students that go off and do internships. And then I get a phone call, you know, a weekend, two weeks in and things aren't going the way that it's, they expected. And so, you know, you got to kind of walk them through that as well. Um, even just taking internships, getting students to go out of their comfort mm-hmm. zone. You know, you went all the way to North Carolina. That was definitely out of your comfort zone. But just being able to take that leap and having them realize how important it is, which I think you do now. I think you've always yeah. have. But I think uh, that's important because it's, it's, it's not just for your career. It's for your life, you know, when I first, I did my first internship in Boston, and I had, I had only been to Kentucky, Indiana, and Ohio probably my entire life when I was 18 or 19, whatever, when I went there, and I just remember going there for the first time, and it was just, it was surreal, to be honest with you, Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's an impact on my life that I'll never forget, and it was, I don't remember anything that I learned there, really, except carrying 50 pound bags and running with it. Uh, but you know, that, that experience of just going is all, was awesome. Yeah. And so that, that kind of shaped who I was or who I am. So it's important, those types of opportunities. Nice. So talked about advice for jobs and finding careers. What do you have? What is your advice for people who are looking to pursue graduate school and trying to graduate get into school. that? Yeah. I, so, same advice as I would for anything else. Um, a lot of people go into graduate school, I think, as a fall, or they consider graduate school as kind of a fallback. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I want to go to work, so let's try graduate school. If you're going to get a master's degree, especially in turf grass, then I'm going to really question. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> this is I'm general. feeling attacked. <laughs> I'm feeling not, attacked. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to really question why you want to do it. And 
you need to have an answer, I think, because a master's degree can benefit you to a certain extent, but it depends on what you want to do. Mm. Um, now, if you want to get a PhD, which you, most of the time you get a master's and then a PhD, but you can jump, you actually can jump and do a PhD without a master's. Um, if you want to go to a PhD, or if you know you want to do a master's and then a PhD, same deal, kind of want to know why you want to do it. Um, you just got to have an end goal. You can't just say, I'm going to get a master's and just get a master's, right? Because from our perspective as advisors, like we have to write a grant. I would say on average, a master's student here at Texas A&M, you know, counting. So we would pay for your tuition. We would pay for your fees. You'd get a stipend. Um, we pay for you to travel to go to conferences, research conferences. I would guess that it could be in the forty to $50,000 range to fund you per year out of our program. So it's a sacrifice on our end, right? So you got to want to do it and you got to know what you want to do when you're done. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest holdup for most students is the writing part. And there's a lot of people out there who have done master's, about 75% of it, and never finished writing. <clears throat> Nick McKenna, if he's... Jeez <laughs> oh, uh, Louise, he, coming for him. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> he uh, cut that, by the way. He... Uh, <laughs> But he, he's an example. There's others out there. We just we joke about it at this point because he's trying to figure out ways to finish. Um, but you just he actually got a job. So, I mean, that was his deal. He left and got a job. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal now. Yeah, he, you had, know what I mean. he had a great job. So he had an opportunity. He had to take it. But that's the risk that we take. And he's told me multiple times he wanted to finish mainly for Dr. Godley, his advisor, because his advisor was the one that kind of invested all the, the resources into him. So... Which he, he's doing well for himself, and Dr. Goatley's fine, too, because he's awesome. Um, but he, that's kind of the sacred, that's what we worry about, right? So, because there's multiple students that want to do, I get emails every day from people wanting to do masters, mm. way outside of turfgrass, typically. But, you know, so we have options to pick from as well. So picking those students and then having the funding is really difficult. Um, but the, the major advice that I give, I would give the student is to really be thinking through like, what's the benefit of me having a master's degree and how does that align with my end goal? Like, well, ha having a master's degree, if I want to go be a turf grass manager, well, having a master's degree benefit me being a turf grass manager? My answer would be yes, it can, because you'll learn the research side of it. I, I do think you would be, I don't want to say a better turf grass manager, but you would you would have a different skill set to where you would understand how the research process goes. You would obviously have to write to get a little bit better at writing. Um, I think it would help you from a research standpoint as far as once you get in your job, you can if you're running into any difficult challenges, you, you kind of know how to walk through that process. And not saying you can't learn that without a master's degree, but that's basically what a master's degree mm -hmm. trains you to do, right? So yeah, so that's that's probably the advice that I would give for people pursuing graduate school. Um, you know, I've already been burnt once in my short three years with my first PhD student, he quit um, first semester. Now, no fault, nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. He um, he got married and his wife got pregnant. So he just couldn't do PhD anymore. 
So those are just risks we have to take, and then that's basically a year worth of funding that I lose. So it sets you back, and then I didn't, I wasn't able to replace him until this year. So there's like a year gap there. So that obviously slows down the research on my mm-hmm. end, and then having to find a new person, train them. So those are the things that kind of we consider as advisors. Gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, hopping on the advice train again. I love advice. I I love advice too. It's so fun. What do you? What is your advice to people pursuing a career in academia? And I mean, I don't know anyone who has been here at least that has gone into academia. Am I correct? Or, Texas A and M. Well, like since I've in the last like three years or so. <clears throat> no, because we've only we've only graduated one PhD since you've been here. I think. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it was probably your freshman year, so yeah, he went on and worked for USDA. So, well, what is your advice to to get into that? Because that's like a whole different ball game, I feel like, than mm-hmm. sports fields. Are to called. get into academia, mm-hmm. uh, it's all going to be metrics, writing, uh, publications, uh, networking. Obviously, vision is a big one. When mm-hmm. I was interviewing here. Um, I mean, you take over an entire program. So, and especially at a land grant university at Texas A&M, where there's students that are, you know, you got that responsibility and then you have the research responsibility. And then we have this facility, which Mm -hmm. is state of the art. You have to have a vision of how you're going to grow it, essentially, not only maintain it, but grow it. Um, and so I think those are the most important things as a student is writing. And those, that's what I try to do with my graduate students is to continuously have them write, try to publish the majority of the research that they're doing. I involve them a little bit with the grant, the grants, maybe some of the smaller ones, try to put their name on a couple grants and get their input on that. Um, and then just to, to be sure that they have that vision and they kind of understand it. A lot of the advice that I give is just being able to know what you want to do mm-hmm. and how you want to do things. And then you have to have a plan, obviously. So you need to think about the end goal and then have a plan to get there. And then you got to execute it. And that's the hard part for people, usually. Yeah. yeah. I can see why that might be yeah. a little bit difficult. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We answered all my questions. Well, do, you, do you have anything? I, want, I feel like I talked the whole time. That's the whole point. That's why you're on the podcast. Yeah, but it's your so podcast. You're supposed to do something. Let's uh, let's ask you some questions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you've been here. When do you graduate? December of next year. Yeah, that's right. So you got another year and a half. Mm-hmm. You got another summer. Yeah. Um, what's your goals for the next year and a half? Like, what do, you, what do you want to accomplish? You've worked for us way too long. We finally booted you off. You don't Sorry. work at the Turf Lab anymore. I don't. This, this so where is are the... you working? Are you working anywhere? I'm working for the USDA. That's right. Yes. That's right. You told me that. No hard feelings. I'm just... Well, that'll be good. We need to move on. But doing that, my goals, I would say, is to figure out what I want to do <laughs> with my life and then figure out like the steps I need to take in order to get a job after I graduate college. So. And you don't you don't necessarily know exactly what you want to do yet, but you're leaning construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Construction or like, I could even see like residential landscape. 
design. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll have a lot of conversations between now and next summer, but hopefully you can get an internship or something to get a little bit of experience with that. The, the USDA position, what are you doing exactly? I'm just a research technician. Oh, yeah, I some just more help. research. Yeah. yeah. Which that'll be good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of research going on. Yeah. You've already done construction, so maybe we can find somewhere to do landscape. Maybe. Or something. Maybe so. If you want to give me an internship, hit me up. <laughs> I'm sure we can find something. You got pretty good resources here at AM to, to help yeah. you. They're pretty great. Pretty great stuff going on. But what else? I don't know. I don't like this. <laughs> I, don't, I like listening. And maybe throwing a little comment in there every once in a while. Do you have any more questions for me, Chase? Yeah, I'm sure I can come up with something. Oh, okay. You just gotta give me a minute. You might have to cut the dead silence. How often are you putting out these podcasts? You know, I think maybe has it been every week? Maybe. I feel like it has been since I started. And I'm gonna do either every week or every other week, depending on how I can get people scheduled. Uh, I have like the next two weeks lined out for people. Perfect. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, people are getting busy, especially sports field managers. Mm -hmm. It's football season, baseball practice, softball practice, all the things. So a little bit harder to get them on here and on board. But at least every other week is what I'm hoping. But also I am a college student, and it is midterm season coming up. So you better work on those grades. Oh, I am. You're thinking about graduate <laughs> school too. That's some advice. What? Uh, I guess I do want to ask you a question. So, from your perspective as a turf grass student mm-hmm. in the industry, what? First, talk about Texas A&M. How can we grow our program? Mm. Is that a tough question. <laughs> no, I love this question. So, like, what are the things you like and dislike, and and if you. If you were in my position, what would be things that you would do to help grow it? Mm. Me, Meg and I talked about this on on her podcast, but I I Megan think has a podcast. Megan? Meg Kruger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey Meg. Hey Meg. Um, I think we talked about this because I was like, there's a big push to get to go to high schools and high school <clears throat> programs, and that's great and that's wonderful, and I think that is a really good idea. Especially because I, I was in FFA for four years. That's a huge part of why I was even in the College of Ag and Life Sciences. And so, and I actually just texted my ag teacher last night and he said, you want to come talk to my class? And I was going to talk to you about that. Oh, he's going to, oh, yeah. cool. Awesome. So, that's a huge thing. But also, I think it's important to remember that even though, like, even the kids that are already in college, like, it's not too late them to transfer obviously because that's how we get a huge part of our kids but it's so easy to forget about because you're like oh they're already in college and they're not here so whatever but I I really like this program because especially like even when I transferred like obviously me and Megan knew each other but that's like the only person that I knew and now there's like it's me Megan and 25 guys but they all like I know that they have my back and it's just very welcoming, like, environment. It's it's 
like everyone's in the same boat like we're all in the same classes we have to see each other every all day so yeah. it's it's just we're kind of forced to be friends but it worked out so I just like the environment of like I can talk to anyone about anything and yeah. it's all helped out that's good I'm glad to hear that what um so how do we grow it through the so you think we talk to more high schools or mm-hmm. go through FFA yeah I yeah. think that FFA is a big yeah. or even because like one of the one of our kids now is like JUCO baseball and then came in I think people like that there's so many people who aren't involved in agriculture but they love sports and they don't they don't know that this is a thing so and not sorry not everyone's going to play professional sports but this is a way to still be involved and still be close to the game what um what are the things you wish we did more of at Texas A&M anything anything like pop out I mean I feel like you especially do a lot Mm. So I don't know if you have an answer to that question. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, per se. We do a lot as a program. And I feel like as far as doing things, a lot of it is kind of on you to like reach out to the... Like, I'm close with you and Worley and, and Weston. I like reach out and I want to be involved and go to conference and go to tournaments and stuff. So, so it's kind of on the student. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of my struggle too, because I, I want to get, which I think we're getting more active with our turf club, mm-hmm. but I'd like to do more like social yeah. things, you know, like, I don't know, go bowling. I don't know, just anything. <laughs> um, obviously not like a movie or anything, but go do something where we can have, do something fun yeah. and kind of interact. And it, it's just based on my experience, it's hard to get students to come unless they have to. Uh, but I think with this group, we have a pretty good group right now. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like a lot of them would come. They just want to be there. If we did something, yeah. It's not. And so I think we'll do more of that. Um, but I try to just make my class kind of that get together, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially with all the guest speakers and site visits that we do. But you haven't you haven't taken four twenty nine yet, mm-hmm. have you? That's when we'll go do a bunch of site visits and. We have our one overnight trip that has quickly become Texas A&M Turfgrass Science uh, major uh, in the memory banks of a lot of people, I guess, because they have a lot of time. I guess it's a bonding experience is what uh, a few of the students told me last year that they really love it. But I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's good. You all are going to be colleagues and uh, hopefully friends for the rest of your life. So it's good to know, get to know each other when you're in the best part of your life yeah. in college so that's good no that's that's good to know i just i'm always trying to think of ways to engage with you all a little bit better and but it sounds like we're doing an okay job i guess i think you're doing pretty <laughs> okay i think it's i think it's going good good deal enjoy it especially being especially well okay me and megan are obviously best friends and i feel like sometimes we don't do a very good job at talking to other people because we just talk to each other but I feel like this year, especially because a lot of our friends just graduated, but being also being a woman and being in turf and coming in as a transfer, I feel like it's good. It's in the right direction. We're doing all the right things. Good deal. So. That's good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. I don't know if I have any more questions for you. I might think of some later, but... Okay. You can ask me later. Okay. 
Wow. Hopefully we've... Uh, Podcaster turned interviewer <laughs> turned... I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to be on the podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it, listened to it, and yeah, we'll see y'all next time.